Hello, and welcome to Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about the people behind today's virology headlines, people working to understand viruses and how they affect you. With the annual American Society for Virology meeting coming up soon, we are talking with students, postdocs, and other virologists presenting at the meeting so that you can learn who they are and what they do. I am Larissa Thackray, and I am hosting this podcast from America's Heartland in St. Louis, Missouri. On June 15, 2023, we talked with Christine Marizzi, Director of Community Science in Harlem. She received her PhD in genetics from the University of Vienna in Austria. She currently works with Biobus and New York City virus hunters to help K-12 and college students discover, explore, and pursue science. Okay, well, thanks for talking with us today. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Larissa. Um, my name is Christine Marisi, and uh, I'm a actually I'm a community scientist located in New York City, and um, I am not a virologist by training, but I'm a geneticist slash microbiologist. And yeah, I have been with an organization called Biobus for the last couple of years, and I've been like in science outreach and education for a long time. Uh, and a long time ago, I also like, you know, and got my PhD in genetics from the University of Vienna. So that was like me in a 30 second, like, you know, role. And my current role, like, you know, I, I run a virology outreach program and training program, but my, my role at Biobus is actually called Director of Community Science and um, yeah, for a small nonprofit organization based in New York City. Okay, great. And can you tell us how you first became interested in science? Mm, I love that question because I'm doing so much in community engagement and outreach and usually people ask me this and the truth is I don't really know I I just grew up very very like you know surrounded by nature I think I had I had a very strong inner scientist for the longest time I was just not aware that you know when you go out in the woods and in the fields <laughs> Like that's how old I am. Like, you know, I didn't have a cell phone growing up, but I was just going outside and doing my stuff in 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 the in the woods. Like whatever I I made some observations and made connections that this actually is science, you know, like building creeks or like, you know, um having a garden, seeing like like bloom, um, figuring out what kind of like seeds, you know, are growing, what's the best way. So I think I think that's why that's when I discovered my love to science. Um and it wasn't really nurtured well while I was in school. Um, Austrian education system is a bit different than an American education system. I I was not aware of an after-school club, for example. I I also was not aware there's something like, you know, a science profession out there. And um, so I think I, I just made my way, like, despite, like, not really having any role models, except if you exclude farmers, you know, which are amazing, or grandmothers who just know everything about, like, you know, herbs in your kitchen, for example. Right. Um, and I guess then can you describe a little bit the path that you followed um, in getting your degree and then how you ended up where you are today? Sure. So I, again, I I felt like, you know, although there was no hands-on instruction in, in, in Austria, where I at least, you know, the, the school I attended, uh, I did love the textbook version. I, was, I did love the, the lived experience I saw, like, you know, by, you know, people surrounding me. And that actually made me to pursue, like, you know, um, become a scientist. And I, I moved away um, to the University of Vienna, um, actually has, like, a very strong, like, you know, biology um, 
um, degree, like, you know, offering. And so I moved away to Vienna. I did study there for a long time and I got a master's and then later on I specialized in genetics. And I did graduate um, there, like, you know, in, in the early 2000s. And at the same time, um, I did always had a very strong interest to, again, talk to people about, you know, what science is, who can be a scientist. Again, like for me, having a lack of role models, like even like what like what it means to be to go into academia, right, was a totally like, you know, not very like strong concept in my way of growing up. But um, just like, you know, that you can actually do science and that this is a job I just found very fascinating. Um, so I, I did some part of community outreach already during my studies. And when I graduated, I, I I did what you know what usually scientists do. Like you you think about your next step. You want to go potentially if you stay in academia, you want to go to the strongest lab possible, which might actually not be in your country. So I moved to the States, uh, interviewed with a couple of like um local universities here in New York and was very lucky that actually I met somebody from Coltspinghab Laboratory that we're looking exactly for a person that has a strong passion for outreach, but also like a very strong genetics background. And I did, um, I did, I did stay like with Coltspring Harbor. They have a DNA learning center, which is like one of the best centers in the world for genetics education for a long time. And then um, I transitioned to the city after a couple of years and, you know, brought my, my community science passion to Dubai of us. Um, now, if you ask me, well, was this all virology? Uh, no, it wasn't. Um, I, I did uh, a lot of microbiology, a little bit like, you know, virology related projects together with um, collaborators in the past. But what really drives me in my daily work is actually um, supporting the next generation of scientists to actually answer their research question. And one of my, you know, um, most exciting project while I was actually staying in Coltsman Harbor, I did establish citizen science infrastructure based on DNA barcoding, how to identify something based on a small set of genes. So that was very exciting. But I was also mentoring high school students and there were two girls um, and they came to me and said, look, I, I really want to study what is on a $5 bill. And I was like, hey, you know, I, I kind of know what to do, but I do not have the facilities at the moment because that was like, you know, when microbiome became like the hot topic and People are talking about next-gen sequencing, but you're a high school student. I don't know if you have the budget or means to go somewhere. So I, I found a collaborator and they allowed us to use the lab. And that was actually one of the strongest indicators for me. Like there's, this is something that youth really wants to want to learn. I just have to find a way how to do this. And the current program I run right now is, which I'm also going to present at ASV. Um, so I'm a PI of a community science initiative and that's called the New York City Virus Centers. And we, again, it's it's rooted in community needs because I had a lot of students always coming to me and said, well, I would like to be a virologist in the future. And I just don't know what they do. You know, they have all these like cool films out there and it sounds like dangerous, but you know, they're also like, you know, always from a certain demographic. And I don't know if this is for me. So I was already dreaming about building a program for the community to partake in this kind of study, of course, in a very safe way. And then the pandemic happened. And then you had like thousands of, like millions of high school students sitting at home and wondering, wait, I mean, so what can I really do to prevent the next pandemic? So the idea of the New York City Virus Centers is like really um, doing a baseline study of 
um, emerging infectious disease in wild urban birds. And we focus on even paramyxovirus and also on even influenza. And I, I bring the community to safe sampling events. Um, they also learn like, you know, about the scientific process on the way. It's an internship program. I've had high school students joining in the lab. We, we do as much as we can with them, like the whole research process. And they also help me to communicate this back. We go to community meetings. We have um, scientific publications. They have like posters, but we also have like, you know, conversations like, well, how do you convince somebody to get vaccinated if you don't know what a vaccine is? So it's for me, like really like, you know, the complete package after thinking about like how to bring these many worlds together for a very long time. Oh, very interesting. And when you say community science, is it just like you were talking about where you have scientists in the community, um, you know, younger people, or is it also sort of mm, using the community to actually do science? Yeah, it is actually really both. So um, I always, in my work, I always thrive to go out there and ask the community, what would you like to, how can we support you doing science, even if you might not actually call it science, right? Um, but what is actually important for your community and that, you know, figure out a solution um, together. So what this means is like we have a lot of um, high school interns, they meet community collaborators um, or stakeholders, if you would like to, to say that. Um, and they, they have a conversation and this could range from anything from called like air quality. And then we might just install an air quality monitor and students learn how to like, you know, um, look about that and, and think about big data. And in terms of virus hunters, I have students and teachers going out with me and learn about the One Health Initiative, you know, how everything is connected, um, reconnecting, like, again, city kids to the environment, um, making them aware, like, you know, what is infectious disease? What is a vector? Um, why should I maybe not approach wildlife? And then it's also an internship and training program um, where they can, like, you know, actually actively process samples with me in the laboratory. So it is... It's a lot, um, you know, like, again, like so many different like, you know, agendas and, and interests are on the table. But for me, it's just very, it's very meaningful. But in the end, like, if you want to have great foster and foster trust in science, that's the way you do it. You're just going to like, you have a conversation on eye level, um, think about, you know, solutions you can work together and then, you know, also be open to feedback from the community. Right. And I guess, um, one question I have is, so how is this kind of work funded? Do you have to write grants? Do you have particular stakeholders that you go to? How does that work? Yeah, so uh, so for my work at Biobus, and I lead a team of four scientists that just like do this work and we also have, as the name says, actual buses that are equipped with like microscopes and we roll out to the community and like, you know, bring science to them. Um, we are funded by many different organizations. So I, yes, I do write grants, everything that I actually would need as an academic, I still need in a nonprofit environment, which is kind of cool, but also kind of sad because I wish, I wish I would not have to do this job because, you know, science education should be for everybody, right? So, so my goal, my secret goal is to be like, you know, be, you don't need Biobus anymore. You know, every kid can get the education that it needs, right? But yeah, we have um, we have several different funding streams, and we are also honestly we are supported by many people on the ground um, that that give like a dollar or five. But you know, it all sums up and it also like gives us credibility, and and they love to have us around. So we actually like you know tip in many different funding streams. Yeah, 
Great. And I guess just to um, follow up on that, you know, what are some of the skills that you use in this job that I guess um, that are similar to or maybe different from a more traditional academic, you know, PI kind of job? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, so on this spot, I would say what I think is different is I'm definitely somebody um, who has, I'm just a very patient person and, you know, listen to a lot of people. Again, like finding out what, what engages people in a daily life. Um, I think it also requires a high degree of cultural competence. You're you're really going to work with people from different backgrounds that are not, again, not that did, did not undergo a traditional academic career, which is if you undergo that, can sometimes be just very rigid. And you know, you have certain expectations and certain benchmarks. And if you literally work with anybody from the street, potentially you you need to be very open to like, you know, what, you know, what could happen. So um I think the ability to again like assess what's what's needed, um be open to do something we just call the community agreement. Again, bring in different uh, views um on the table and talk about that. And um I also would say I'm very focused on something which is called like youth voice, making sure there's always space for people that are not identifying as scientists yet. So they actually get a voice and the seat on a table. Or maybe it's even like necessary to build their own, you're going to build your own table <laughs> and have the academics joining you in your next research endeavor, because we are literally talking about the next generation of scientists and you want to empower them as early as possible. Um, and all the other things are still the same if I would be in, in, in the lab, like um, grant writing, you do research, you try to do your research well, up to a level like, you know, that you want to publish on a regular basis, you write recommendation letters, you're here for everybody, um, you develop like um, your team, um, you go out and fundraise and be very visionary. So I think that's a lot of skills that also make my 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 life easier in a nonprofit environment. Right, right. And I guess, um, where do you see yourself in the next five, 10 years? What are sort of your, you know, medium term uh, plans? Yeah, so my current dream is I would like to, to bring, um, again, community science programs to more institutions. I think it's it's a very special thing to just like partner with an academic partner. I mean, I, I partner with the Icon School of Medicine, specifically with the Kramer Lab. I also partner with a local um, veterinarian um, wildlife rehabilitation center called the Wild Bird Fund. Um, so just bringing that kind of secret sauce model to more um, places would be just really amazing because I really think a lot of a lot of people want to do this kind of work, but just don't know how, or just need a little bit of like, you know, a blueprint for a get-go. Um, so I see myself expanding, you know, this kind of model or, you know, um, being of service for others. So they can also like, you know, try to, to bring community, like the rich science and society, like even more than, you know, it's checking a box on an NSF or NIH grant. I think we, we all get in there, but it's just so much more work that actually needs to be done. Right. And I guess since you actually are working a lot with the younger generation, do you think that there is a difference in the way that sort of the millennial or even younger generation sort of see science and their role in science? 
Yeah, um, I definitely see a difference. And I also see like, you know, again, like I, I grew up in a different country. I did not grow up here. So there's like, you know, a little bit bias that might just come in here. But I do see that um, youth right now, um, I think there's a lot of anxiety, which I also understand because, you know, climate change is real. And um, there's also like in a lot of social emotional, like, you know, processing happening on different levels in America, in the States right now, it's also real. I do think like, you know, we, we want to do a shift to like, you know, trauma informed teaching at one point um, to really make sure like people feel they belong here. Right. It is not enough to empower, like, just imagine like, you know, you have, you have somebody who, who aspires to be a scientist, like has no means um, for what reason, whatever, to become a scientist, you know, they might get a stipend and then they actually end up in a culture where they feel they are not belonging. I think that's the biggest shift, you know, that I see right now. There is a generation coming in that just really has a high interest in like, again, bringing a voice to the table, but also creating a very supportive um, research environment where they feel they can belong and they can be a role model for the next generation. Right, right. Great. Well, thanks so much for talking with us today. And we look forward to hearing about uh, Biobus and your research um, at ASB. Thank you so much. And thanks for um, chatting to me today. Thank you. I would want to give a shout out to the flu lab that actually is funding the New York City Virus Centers primarily. So that's something I want to add. This has been Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about people who study viruses. This is your host, Larissa Thackray, and thanks for listening. You can find us on Google, Apple, Amazon Music, and other podcast providers, or at lmtv.podbean.com.